Boulder, what a week. Oh my goodness. So remember last week, at the end of last week, we said, anybody have anything uh, you want us to do or whatever? And we got a note from Julie. I don't think we've heard from her before, although who knows, but she said, you said to suggest something, would love to have you do Worth, which drops September 3rd, and it's by the guy who did Spotlight, and it's about the settlements for 9-11 deaths. Can't wait. Okay, so I checked in with Wilder. We're going to do that, right? Sounds great. I love Tom McCarthy. Why not? Uh, well, also, for me, you had me at Stanley Tucci and Michael Keaton. I mean, I watched the trailer, which we'll post on all our social media. God, it looks fabulous. Really, really strong. I mean, I don't know much about it. Spotlight to me was fine. I, I think it's I think it was of its moment and did a good job capturing that. But I'll be curious what this one brings on Spotlight. I thought that the topic was much richer than the execution of the topic. I thought it was long. I didn't think if it had been on any other topic, I'm not sure it would have done what it had done. So, but anyway, it looks like a great trailer. Thanks for the recommendation, Julie. And then we had a couple of other recs too, but they're about some seasons that are, we're at season three, season four. Like we know that uh, the morning show's dropping mid-September, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But we've decided to sort of stay away from successive uh, seasons. So we're going to take a pass on some of those, but thanks for, for writing in. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Did we get any responses from last week's jaunt? From the White Lotus, you mean? Yes. Last week, when we did the White Lotus, I mentioned that one of our listeners, Diane, who, by the way, has been a listener for the last seven years, you know, she even met O'Toole and I at a film festival three years ago. So she's the one who suggested that we do it, and she loved it. And we quoted her at the onset of when we started to review it last week. So I texted her this morning before we're taping on Friday night, actually. And I texted her this morning and I said, gosh, did you have a chance to listen to the podcast? And do you have any comments about our review? And here's what you texted me back. Uh-oh. <laughs> I know, right? Get ready. Ha <laughs> ha. I've started to message to you about it. And I'm like, oops. So I picked up the phone and I called her and we had about a 20 minute discussion about it. You know, she felt very strongly. And here's the thing. There's two things that I want to point out. She felt very strongly that if Mike White wants to write the entire thing himself, he absolutely should do that. And that she thought he did a great job at telling the story, both of the people of color, as well as all of the rich people who were ridiculous, who who were vacationing. And then it was funny because as she started to talk, she it was so true because she said, look, I am not a racist and I'm not, you know, I'm not attacking any of that, but sometimes you feel like you can't even dissent. And I said, I totally understand that. You know, it is that moment in time when it's hard to have these conversations and what are you allowed to represent in a conversation? You know, you have to be very careful and very cautious about your own point of view, but she felt very strongly that he had every right to do it. She thought it was really well done. She thought there are some movies and she named a couple of them that are really all people of color and written by people of color. And why can't there be both? And it was a really interesting uh, conversation around it. So I, I really thank her for, you know, coming out and telling me how she felt, but she was like all over us, like, like molasses for sure. Well, I don't know that there can't be both, but there hasn't been both for a very long time. Right. And it is time to shift that conversation because we've had the say and we've had our stories told over and over and over again. And it's time to widen that lens. 
Yeah, uh, no, I, I think, but the, oh, the other point that she brought up that I thought was interesting is she wondered if Mike White actually will bring in uh, other people into his writing room, that maybe his process is that he writes alone and, you know, it's interesting, or is he just giving mouthpiece to, okay, I get it. I'm sorry. I get it. Or, you know, in other words, was he trying to quell the conversation or does he really feel that he had done something that was outside the box of what would have made it even better? So it's interesting, interesting topic. I'd be very surprised if he doesn't bring in other voices in the next season. Um, he very well might go off and write every episode by himself. Right. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's not worth hearing outside perspectives yeah. on the story you're trying to tell. I agree. So now we decided to do the next week. I thought about this and it's like nine perfect strangers. Here we come. Um, it's basically the same team as big little lies. And I can see the template. I mean, you can definitely see the parallels of how it's all presented, but with last week's the white Lotus and its statement on what's wrong with what, rich white people, it's sort of hard the very next week for me anyway, to go to nine perfect strangers who, <laughs> with the exception of one man of color who happened to have won his $20 million in the lottery, of course, right? Um, we are again faced with the problems of the rich. Um, we have a famous writer who might be losing her touch and I, we've got to talk about her. She's so brilliant. Anyway, a family who lost a son to suicide, a football player who's sidelined, you know, but they all seem to have tons of money and have come together to try to be well, like with mm -hmm. and they're led by our Nicole Kidman of German descent this time, who uh, I thought it was Russian. Oh, is it Russian? I thought it was pretty sure she's Russian. OK, so of Russian descent this time, which, by the way, exactly makes my point of how bad her accent is. Very, very inconsistent. Yes. <laughs> Basically, is using mushrooms to bring them into the light and. You know, all I could think of is, you know, Nicole has to be the sun around the galaxy of these people around her. I, I don't, can we just start with her? I don't get it. I don't get, no matter how much she goes in and out of her Russian accent, which I thought was German, she's always Nicole Kidman. And, and why is she so successful? And then I figured it out. She plays this vulnerable woman. And in my mind, Nicole Kidman's vulnerability, which is in every single thing she does on the screen, is the perfect ruse for the fact that she's just not that talented, in my humble opinion. Oh, uh, I totally disagree with that. What a surprise. But what else is new? You know, <laughs> I love Nicole Kidman. I mean, I recently watched To Die For. Oh, I didn't see that. Should I? Oh, you should. You absolutely should. Is it To Die should. For? <laughs> um, it's a very different kind of character for her. This is earlier on in her career. She's playing from the wrong side of the tracks, kind of beautiful young woman who desperately wants to be wealthy, who desperately wants to succeed in life and really will go to whatever means necessary in order to make that happen. And she's great in it. Mm -hmm. um, it's I mean, it is solidly 1995. And it you can tell when you watch the movie, but it, she's great in it. Moulin Rouge is one of my favorite movies. I think she can sing and she's not the best singer in the world, but I love that movie. And I think it works because of her and her chemistry with Ewan McGregor. You know, I think she has this ability. I mean, you didn't love her in the hours? No, I didn't. Nope. Did you love the hours? Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, in in the best way you can on watching something that's so disturbing. Yeah. I I mean, it's rough, but it's definitely a different kind of character for her. And not just because of the nose. She's one of those actors, though, that it's like Julia Roberts. Whenever I see her on the screen, I'm looking at Nicole Kidman. Maybe it's because she's overexposed. I don't know. I don't see the character she's playing. I have to remind, you know, I have to. I think that's fair. But I also think that's part of her looks, right? She's so striking in who she is. All right. Meryl Streep is very striking. And I never, ever noticed Meryl Streep in any role she plays. You know, it's funny. There are just, there are different actors who are able to do that. And it's it's funny to me because like, I love Brad Pitt as an actor. I hate him as a leading man. Really? I think he is such a great side character, right? He's such a great character actor, but he's so beautiful. He never gets to be a character actor, (laughs) right? And I, I mean, one of his favorite roles for me is 12 Monkeys. And he is like, bad shit crazy in that movie and he's his hands are like their own character it's insane but he's so beautiful he doesn't get the opportunity to play those character roles i just find her she shows up and she irritates me and also that is a difficult you know remember i always i always talk about degree of difficulty it's a high degree of difficulty this role she's playing Mm -hmm. i can't figure out if she's on something if she you know it's just I just don't think she's strong. And then on the other side of it, all I want to do is see Melissa McCarthy. Well, yes, Melissa McCarthy is great in this. But I think also, I think you're not supposed to know with her. I think that's the point of the show is you're supposed to sit here questioning who is she, who's after her, why is she like this, right? This near-death experience that happened to her. But there's that mystery behind it as to we don't understand who she is or why she's doing what she's doing. Enough about Nicole. Like we both, you know, we both come from a different position on her. And but in the write-ups too, this is not being well written up by other reviewers and mm. as a whole or just her. Well, as a whole and her. Okay. But everybody is pulling out Melissa McCarthy, who is so strong in this. I just want to see her over and over again. I just think she's unbelievable in it. I think she's really good. I think this is she's she's been wading into the waters of more dramatic roles and I'm I'm appreciating it. But I like that in this we still get a dose of her humor Oh my god! because um, she's she's brilliant. She's so funny and she's able to take kind of quite serious situations that she finds herself in and turn them on their head so that we can get a laugh out of it, which I I appreciate. I think the the absurdity of the retreat as a whole as how, you know, it's only rich people who can afford this and only rich people who are, who need it. Right. Who are so unhappy with their lives. Like, well, but the family's there on a, the family's there on a scholarship. Supposedly the Nicole character has put this group together as the right group to make whatever it is. She's going to be happening happen. I will say Michael Shannon is a Marvel. Yeah, he is. His performance in the third episode I mean, this is something very different from Michael Shannon. I haven't seen this kind of character from him before. He's usually very stoic or like the odd one in the group. And he's so beautifully positive in this. And you know, it's a veneer, you know, there's it's gilded lily, right? But you get just under that surface and he is absolutely brilliant. And I think he's going to win an Emmy for it. You know who else we haven't really seen in a while? Bobby Cannavale. I love him. <laughs> I, not only that, I didn't realize this guy, he has 24 nominations for Emmys, mm-hmm. three wins, but he is very, very strong. And the degree of difficulty, again, is right up there. It's a great part he's playing. Yeah, I was lucky enough to get to see 
Bobby play the Al Pacino character in Glengarry Glen Ross on Broadway and Al Pacino played the Jack Lemmon character. He was phenomenal. He has a lot of energy in him as an actor. Like he's constantly moving. You can feel it through the screen. Yep. yep. But there is a warmth between him and Melissa McCarthy on this that I wasn't expecting. There's a moment in this particular episode that just dropped this past week. And there is, there's a moment between them and both of them are really, really good in it. But the other thing he does is there's a, I think it's in the first episode, um, Bobby has a phone conversation with his daughter. Yeah. You only hear his part. And sometimes it takes a good actor to act both sides of the phone conversation. Mm -hmm. And he does that really well. The guy has chops. I did not realize he was so successful in terms of of awards and stuff. I just didn't realize it. He's kind of unassuming. And and physically, he's really impressive in this role because he plays an ex-football player who's addicted to oxy because of injuries and what have you. But there's there's a darker secret under there that everyone in this show has a darker secret that you're not sure what it is they're hiding. Uh, And Bobby's is it's really powerful and it's really moving when it finally comes out. And the way his physicality changes over the course of the show because of his how his addiction is changing, I found really impressive that he was able to kind of change the way he moves, change the way he interacts with people, change the way his lines are delivered. He's definitely one to keep an eye on. Now, did you see him in The Irishman? You know, I'll be honest, I only made it an hour into The Irishman. Yeah, but he well, the funny thing about it, I mean, he was on screen with De Niro, Pacino, Pesci, Mm -hmm. Ray Romano, which actually I don't hold in the same category, but um, Anna Paquin, which I think is great. And Harvey Keitel. And that guy held his own. I was I thought it was really he's got chops. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Glengarry Glenn Ross is a punishing play. Uh, for everyone in it. Right. And, you know, everybody's got secrets. Everybody's trying to get out of this investigation. And he held his own against Al Pacino, who originated that role. Right. Like you can't you can't ask for a higher task. And and he did it. Uh, And I I enjoyed every moment of it. Yeah. Now, I think this let's just move to plot for a minute. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's based on a book, but they've made a lot of left turns outside the book, apparently. And I don't know. I haven't read the book, so I, I I'm not familiar. Either. Yeah, exactly. But I think it's so forced. I think they're trying so hard that I find it, <laughs> painful. you know, it's like. Do you think you're fatigued from the limited series romps that we've been taking? I mean, between Big Little Lies I and. I love limited series. Love it. Okay. Actually, what I love is unlimited series. <laughs> like, well, sure. <laughs> you know, give me a series like the, you know, the West Wing that has seven seasons of 22 episodes. I'm, I'm sure. there, you know. Well, I think the reason I ask is because I think this one follows a similar formula to a lot of the others, right? There's some kind of mystery. We're not sure what's going on. It's not all going to come together until the last episode. And then we'll all be blown away, right? And I feel like that's what White Lotus did. And White Lotus is less of a mystery than I think some of the others that we've watched, but this one's got nine episodes. I'm curious if it's going to keep us for nine. Well, it's funny because I went back and watched episode two again, because I wanted to figure out why do I think they're trying so hard? And here's what I think is wrong. 
I think it's the dialogue. I mean, I think one of the mm. things about White Lotus that was so brilliant was every scene's dialogue was right on the money. There was, you know, there was something you wanted to stop and write down. There were quotes. Mike you White to- is a very, he's a very talented writer. Yeah, really good writer. And I think they don't have the writing chops. There's nothing memorable about anything anyone has said in my mind thus far. I mean, <laughs> not to be confused with, oh, I'm, I'm sort of interested to know what's going to happen and what did happen in their past, but there's nothing that stands out and says, wow. So I think it's in the dialogue. I think it's in the writing. I think you just picked up a really heavy fight with you and David E. Kelly and John Henry Butterworth. Cause those are some really, really talented writers. Wait, I don't even know what has he done? I mean, David E. Kelly is behind every show. Everyone's ever loved. He's behind Ally McBeal. He's behind, uh, he's behind big little lies. I didn't love You that. didn't love Ally McBeal. No. I don't know if we can be friends anymore. And, um, and Big Little Lies. I love the first season. He's behind The Undoing. He's behind Boston Legal. The Practice, Chicago Hope. No, nothing. All maybe, right. Maybe he should take a vacation. Um, yeah. I mean, and John Henry Butterworth did Ford vs. Ferrari. Boston, tomorrow. Boston Legal. I found it painful. I don't know. I'm none of the one. The practice. Maybe they don't speak to you. Yeah, they don't. Allie McBeal. Um, which I guess is fair. I didn't like her. You I know, loved Allie McBeal. I mean, you know, and also I don't, I don't, again, I don't think she was a great actor. I don't know that Calista Flockhart was the best actor in the world, but that series hooked me. Uh, those characters were so weird and so much fun. And I had a blast watching that until Robert Downey Jr. had his fall from grace, but I'm really glad he came back to us. Hey, but wait, there's one episode of Ally McBeal, a little sidebar here. Do you remember the episode where he sings with Sting? Um, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play a little bit of it here. Hey, birthday girl, you want to dance? I don't know, it makes me feel easy. Well, I did bring Sting. Okay, now we'll put it up on our website and we'll also put it up on our social media. If you haven't watched it, watch it. I don't know who's sexier, him or Sting. It's one of the great vocal, okay, take me, I'm yours. (laughs) Tell me me if you want the men's room or the ladies' room, I'm there. It's like, it doesn't matter to me. I think it's really, really a great performance. But So I love that part of it, but that was it. Seems like you watched a lot of Ally McBeal for someone who didn't love that show. No, actually, I only watched... I, you know what? I've watched maybe four episodes all in. And the one reason I watched that was because I was doing some research on Google for Sting singing Fields of Gold mm-hmm. and uh, it came up. So that's, uh, that's why I found it. Yeah. I never saw yeah. the whole episode. I just saw that when he's singing. I, you know, it's funny because in watching this show, I was taking our conversation about the White Lotus into watching this show and I didn't have the same issues with it. And I think the reason I'm not, I, I see those issues and I, and I think that they're present, right. And talking about race and class and 
it's certainly a part of the conversation around this show. But I think this show isn't trying so hard to put a fine point on it as the White Lotus was. Mm-hmm. So it's not as obvious to call it out. I think it's certainly there, you know, I, and I think there's a commentary in it to begin with because all of the staff are people of color or LGBT, except for Masha. Well, I don't know if Masha's LGBT, she might be, but everyone who's serving in this is a person of color or part of the LGBT community, which I find a very interesting commentary on this. And there, as you said, there's only one person of color of the nine who are guests here. And he, he lucked into his money, whereas everyone else is a paying or discounted customer. Um, You know, it's funny because whereas the white Lotus was really about people of money and their search to have meaning and and happiness Mm -hmm. and everything else. And those looking from the outside could say, well, money clearly doesn't buy happiness. I mean, that was, but this, by the way, everybody talks about how it's about, she's trying to bring wellness to them or they're running them parallelly in terms of, of talking about reviewing them. But for me, this is about trauma. This is not about wellness. I think it's certainly about trauma, Yeah, but I do think it's a commentary on the wellness industry. You know, I think physical is also a commentary on the wellness industry and how much, how much of it is for profit, right? It's not about you and making you feel better. Right. And there's there, she calls it out in there's, there's a reveal in the fourth episode, I think that I don't want to spoil for you, but she, she calls out a secret that someone is keeping and she's fine with it because it's going to end up benefiting her. Right. She doesn't mind being, exposed or put on a platform or what have you, right? Because she knows that people are going to be coming in droves to her as soon as people find out about this place. I don't know that that's why she's doing it. You know, I'm not sure. I I don't know her. I don't know her modus operandi. Oh, I don't know what her motivations are for the entirety of this. But in regards to one guest in particular, she doesn't have a problem that they have ulterior motives because it's going to do nothing but benefit her. Right. Well, that's what she says publicly, but I don't know what that's about. I think that's the wellness industry as a whole, though, is, you know, it's word of mouth that gets people interested. But there's so many scandals in the wellness industry that have come recently, right, of how it's abusing people instead of actually helping them. Well, it's funny because they do a lot of microdosing with their guests. But what I thought was interesting about that is, you know who I recognize is Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, yeah. Goop is is a huge part of this. Well, everything that Goop does, and by the way, charges, it looks like she's preaching to the huddled masses, but the truth is you can't, I mean, a cream on Goop can be $200. Um, she sells a candle that smells like her vagina. Well, Are you it, kidding well, me? It, I don't know what her <laughs> vagina smells like, but I can tell you that- the That's candle, how it's marketed. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's- but the candle's a hundred bucks. Like, well, and they've got like things with gold flecks in them. And I'm like, what, why are people spending money on this stuff? It's know. crazy. I don't know. But it, to me, you know, the brand that she's built is, you know, making a shitload of money. And to me, I couldn't help but see the parallels between the Nicole Kidman character and the way Gwyneth again projects herself is very much with that vulnerable well, I really am just caring about health and wellness and and my skin feels great and I'm rubbing my face now 
and Wilder is not responding at all to, to the way that I'm showing. I'm just you. wondering how a vagina scented candle plays into this. Okay, we have to move on from that. Okay, we're going to move. Why? On from I think we could have a whole segment about we, Gwyneth's vagina scented candle. We absolutely could, but we're not going to <laughs> done with that part. But back- that's my commentary on the wellness business. Okay. Like, what's the point, guys? But I don't know that it's strong enough in terms of the wellness business. To me, it, we're sitting in sort of a um, whodunit, locked in an old house. Somebody shows up dead and you got to figure out who did it before they kill you too. You know, it just seems to me that there's a lot that's going to happen. Just so we're all clear, no one is dead in the show yet. Just yeah. so. <laughs> yeah. So I promise you somebody's not making it out. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I hope it's Nicole. Yeah. I mean, she was already shot once, right? You find that on the first five minutes. I'm not giving anything away. Um, but yeah, I'll be curious how it all comes together. I'll be curious if we stick it out for all nine episodes. And I think it's a lot on the filmmaking. Jonathan Levine is the filmmaker behind all of this. He does. I think he's doing all of the episodes. He's very talented. I think he's an accomplished filmmaker. The composition of the show is beautiful. And when you're dealing with an ensemble cast like this where it's not just the nine, right? You're, you're also telling stories of the people who work with Masha, right? The Manny, um, who are all people of color, by the way. They're, yeah. They're all people of color, LGBT, but Manny Jacinto, who viewers will recognize from the good place shows that he has a lot of range in this show. Cause he goes from playing a very, very dumb character on the good place. who You can't help but love to playing kind of this very introspective, but morally compromised servant in this show. And I'm having a blast watching him because my only exposure to him so far has been the good place. And I, I can't wait to see him in top gun too, but it's nice to see him stretch his legs. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, this is a star studded cast. Oh yeah. Regina Hall's fantastic. I've been loving her journey. She, yeah. she plays a, a jilted wife who can't get over the fact that her husband left her for a younger woman. And you can feel the anger underneath her beautiful exterior. Yeah. Uh, and I think she's just fantastic. She is. So we'll have to wait and see. So what have we done? I've watched all the episodes that have dropped. Is it four? Am I at four now? How many? Four episodes have dropped. Um, There's five more to come. I'm curious if it'll hold up. Uh, I don't know what the reveal is. I'm sure I won't be surprised by it when it comes, but I hope I will be because that would be nice. So we've done Nine Perfect Strangers and we've done The White Lotus. Okay. I'm done with that whole topic for now. Okay. We can come back to it in a couple months, but I don't want to watch anything else with that same theme. See, I'm right then. You are fatigued by this, this area of limited series. No, it's not about limited series. It's about the topic. I think I'm just exhausted from the topic, perhaps, not the fact that it's a okay. limited series. Yeah, we'll see. But anyway, let us know what you think, you guys. I'm Everybody's watching it and commenting on it. So let us know what you think. And uh, But you wait, do you recommend it before we sign off? I have no idea. <laughs> you? Uh, I recommend starting it and I recommend making yourself watch at least two and then you can decide. I think some will and some won't. Diane mentioned today that she's out. Oh, she's not. She's not continuing with it. Interesting. I don't know if she's not going to complete it, but she certainly did not think it was anywhere near as strong as the White Lotus. Interesting. I don't know. I, I think if you liked Big Little Lies, if you liked The Undoing, You'll like this. It's very much of the same elk. Uh, whether or not that makes it good, I don't know. 
Okay. Uh, tune in. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Adios, everybody. Mm-hmm.